Well, I, uh, as I was preparing, we're in a great series right now, Five Things That Grow Your Faith, and I hope you've been challenged um, by these, these things that help us grow our faith. Well, I want to tell you a little story about how my faith was grown through a personal ministry, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, so my background is uh, I've been a youth pastor, and in, while I was being a youth pastor, I learned how to do audio. I learned how to do, you know, soundboards, speakers, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I had the opportunity to um, be interviewed by a big church here in town and uh, to do audio. And so I was, I was a little nervous, you know. Uh, I've always done sound in small churches or small venues, and, and so I was a little nervous. And um, so I went, and I was a little, you know, anxious on the drive, and I drove to the east side, and I, I went up the stairwell, and I turned the corner, because it was like this, this little nest-like thing, it's a little weird, and so I turned the corner, and I saw this huge audio board, this audio console. It literally, I think it was like from here to like over here. It stretched the whole length of this upstairs room, and I was like, ha, ha, ha. Look at all those knobs. And it was like I was a little kid again. I've touched the knobs before, and I've done, the, done that, but I, I was just like, I was just like, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't know how to do this. I literally thought I could put some roller blades on or some roller skates and skate back and forth because it was that big. And so I went home, and I was just, I was like, I can't do it, can't do it, nope, can't do it, don't have the knowledge, not smart enough, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. And Kimberly um, came to me and goes, um, you are going to do this. And I was like, what do you, what? She's like, you have everything, the skills and God's given you to do it. You just got to trust in him and let him do the rest. <sighs> and guess what? I did it. And in, the, in, in that moment, I learned that all I got to do is just do what I can with the knowledge I have and this, in the, the intellect that I have and everything that I have and let God do the rest. And so one of the things that grows our faith, a primary way that God grows our faith is personal ministry. We've, been, we've, we've talked about practical teaching. Jack talked about that. Providential relationships. Kimberly talked about how, how people come intersect in our lives and um, help us in different spots to, to either help us grow or to show us who God is. And then Jack talked about private disciplines, how we're supposed to be disciplined in, in how we read our, the word and how we pray and how we, we seek after, after God. And tonight we're going to talk about personal ministries. Um, and then next week we have pivotal circumstances. We have one more week. So be committed. We got one more week and then you've hit five major things that can grow your faith. And I've had conversations with a lot of you and, and a lot of this is, is making sense and you're getting a lot of clarity like, yeah, I can... I'm gaining some faith in this. And so let's, let's just grab hold of tonight and the weeks before and next week and let's just see what God can do that only he can do. Agreed? All four of you, all right. <laughs> One of the main themes in the New Testament is that individuals were invited to connect with God, not through rituals, not through traditions, not through rules, but through faith. Faith is saying, I have trusted and I have confidence in Jesus and I will follow him the rest of my life. The reason that is so cool is in, in the Old Testament, there was 400 years between when the Old Testament was written and finished and then when the New Testament was started in that, 
Isn't that pretty cool? Isn't that crazy? 400 years. I think it's interesting that that, that took place because I think, I think God knew what he was doing in that because he didn't want, you know, hey, well, the Old Testament was really close to the New Testament, so they just kind of stole stuff. It makes it even that much more powerful if they're so separated in time and the themes and the, the truth of the Old Testament and in the New Testament come together. It's pretty amazing. People of the Old Testament broke their relationship with God. He broke the trust that they had. They broke it with him. It was an issue of trust in the Old Testament. They were separated by God because they didn't trust God in their lives. When Jesus came, he came to repair that same problem, the trust. But he did it in a different way, through a relationship through him and through trust. When you come back to God, when you come back as a child of God, you come back not by doing all this stuff or doing all these things, but you come back by trusting in faith that he is the savior. The relationship is healed by putting our trust in God. Our faith is extremely important to God. He wants to grow our faith. He wants to stretch it. He wants to move it. He wants to get our faith as big as possible. He wants to mature it. He wants to develop it, develop it and have, have be confident in it. When we're confident, when we're mature, and when we get bigger, God gets stronger. If I ask you about a faith story that, of yours, if we each had a time to stand down the microphone, and some of you are freaking out about that. If we had a microphone and I could come down and I could, t- you could tell a story about your faith and how you came to faith and, and how faith was built, um, some of these same themes would be coming out. Your faith was built like someone presented an opportunity to you. You heard about a need and you, or you became aware of a need and after that conversation, you just couldn't get that off your mind. You couldn't stop thinking about it. You felt this internal nudge in your heart or in your mind saying, I should do something about that. I should do something about my neighborhood. I should do something about the homeless guy down the street. I should do something about getting my neighbors together, not just driving straight into my, into my garage and shutting the door. And so there's a need that's in front of you. Almost all of our faith stories started with a need. But on the other hand, another tension in that is you, you heard the need, you felt the need, you see the need, but then just like I did up in the soundboard, you don't feel equipped, prepared. You don't feel smart enough. I'm gonna make myself look like a fool if I do something. But I feel so drawn to this. I, I need to do this. I, I, realize, I, I need to do it. And you start to realize that it's not guilt. It's, it's God calling you to get involved in something. It's not guilt or, or pity. But God wants you to move towards that opportunity that in spite of the fear, the awkwardness that you feel, that God wants to do an amazing thing through you. The tension and the fear we feel, many of you are feeling it right now. It's a tug of war that God has inside of you 
of something, a need that you know, or a people group that you wanna help, and you're, you're sitting there back and forth. It's a wrestling match. It's not just to benefit the person that you're willing to help or the group that you're willing to help. Maybe it's a bigger issue. It's God wants to use something or someone outside our comfort zone to scratch, to stretch, to push us to build our faith. So he's inviting us, me, you, to get outside our comfort zone, inviting us outside our skill sets. He's inviting us outside our experiences and he's wanting us to serve someone else other than the people that we know. That tension we feel of, oh, I can't, can't, oh, oh. That's faith being exercised in our lives. God wants us to exhaust your faith muscle and that's what it feels like is he wants you to exhaust that muscle and just trust him and just say, it's just outside. It's just outside of what I can do. Let's read in Matthew 14 about what Matthew 14, 13, and the, the fans are not helping me up here. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to the solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him from foot of the towns. This is what happened is John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. And he had just gotten news of that he had, had been beheaded, that he had been killed. Just like anybody else, right? Jesus is human, he's got feelings. He wanted to, to isolate, he wanted to go and just have some alone time. And so he got into a boat and he, he went out. Um, but the, the problem is, is that um, he was so, people were so wanting to hear what he had to say, wanted to be around him, that they literally followed him on the outskirts of the lake. And so when he got to the other side, they, uh, they joined up to him. And this is in verse 16, it says this. Jesus replied, actually, I'll go back to 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is the remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And then Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Here lies attention. There's people that are hungry. Is that attention anybody feels? No one ever feels hungry? Some of you are always hungry because I feed you a lot. This is actually really, really exciting, this tension. This isn't a bad tension. This is exciting. It's that somebody has a need that we can meet. We can meet it as a ministry, we can meet it as a church, we can meet those types of things. Someone in your neighborhood and uh, 
somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you know, I need this or I need that, that's a great opportunity to meet a need. But all of us, I know all of us have done this at least once in our life, and I'm gonna admit that I'm the one just because I'm the one hyper speaking. You know what, there's a need out there like, hey, we need to have something worked on in, in the church building or in the school or something like that, and you're like, oh yeah, you know what, I'll pray about that. I'll pray for someone to go help. Oh yeah, I heard that announcement about the kids workers, they need some extra workers. I will pray for that. I'll get back to you if I hear, have no anybody comes to my mind. Anybody done that? No one? I know I have. I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to pray. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to, just maybe that person's going to walk away because I really don't want to work with kids or I really don't want to work with that people group. I don't want to do that. And praying is not bad. I'm letting you know, praying is not bad. But sometimes, God is saying, no, I want you to do it. I don't want you to pray about it. I just want you to do it. I just want you to be obedient and go out and do it. And God says, I'm talking to you. That nudge, that feeling, that tension, I know you're gonna pray about it, but we're gonna pray a little bit differently now. Go out and do it. Because we think that we ourselves, when we think to ourselves, meeting the needs in other environments is we think the negative usually. Like, I don't know how to do that. Or I'm, I'm over, I'd be overwhelmed by 30 preschoolers. You would. Where do I start? How do I, how do I meet that need? How do I start um, to help in that process? I'm not officially trained. I don't know how to do that. We like to hide behind that. I don't have time. I know everyone's used that one at least once. Show of hands. We've used that one, right? But we sure know we can watch ESPN we can watch some kind of event, but we can say, whew, I don't have time. <laughs> there will come a time when we feel that nudge. It's not guilt. It's God saying, I want you to be involved. I want you to meet that need. I want you. Let's read chapter 7, actually 14, 17. It says, the disciples were, were there waiting for Jesus, and he said, you feed them. Verse 16, it says, Jesus replied, they do not <clears throat> need to go away. You give them something to eat. 17, he says, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fishes, they answered. That word only? That word only kills me. I love it that when my kids use that. Dad, I only have this much time or I only have this. Here's the disciples in front of Jesus. Jesus gave them a directive, gave them an instruction, and here they are in Jesus' presence saying, we only have five, five fish and two loaves. They're starting to make excuses. And I love, I love what Jesus says. In verse 18, 
in a very fatherly tone, I think. I'm just adding that. (laughs) Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Sit on that for a second. Bring them here to me. You can think to yourself, I don't have much. Then bring me what you have, Jesus says. I don't know the Bible. I can't teach kids. Well, then bring me what you know. I only have two years of college. Well, then bring me those two years. I don't have that much time. Well, just bring me the time that you do have. But God, I don't like to fly. I don't like to travel in those types of neighborhoods. I don't like to travel at night. I don't like to do those things. I don't like to hang out with those kinds of people. Bring me those fears. Here's the disciples. I can just imagine if we, if I was the disciples and there's 5,000 or more people behind me and Jesus is in front of me and he's given me an directive to say, take this fish, take this bread and go feed them. I would not want to turn around. You? Because I've got a morsel and a morsel and I can hear the rumbling behind us And I'm thinking, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. But you know what was awesome about this? Is they did what they knew how to do, and they let God do the rest. They turned around. They They knew how to serve food. They knew how to serve people. And so that's what they did. They turned around and served what they had, how they had to do it and let God do the rest. They did what they could do, trusting Jesus was gonna do what only he could do. And they did that. And in verse 20, it says this. If I could get it to stick. You guys, this is so fun up here. You don't even know. Verse 20. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up their 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those that ate was about 5,000 men beside women and children. Did they know how to feed 5,000 people? Were they culinary geniuses? Were they emerald? Were they cutthroat kitchen? No. They knew what to do because God was gonna do the rest. When you feel the internal nudging, that thing inside you, I I wanna sign up for that. I I wanna say yes to that. I wanna go on that trip. I want to go talk to my boss about that. 
I want to step outside my comfort zone. God's nudging you to do those things. Our responsibility is do what we know how to do and trust God to do what only he can do. Let me read that again. Our responsibility is do what we, I can't even read it right. Our responsibility is do what you know how to do and trust God to do what only he can. That tension you feel, that fear you feel, those excuses that are coming up in your mind, that's your muscle stretching. That's your muscle. That's your, your, your faith saying, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I, I don't know. And that's the pull. The future size and strength of your faith is what is at stake here. The future size and strength of your faith is what's sta- at stake here. And God cares about your faith. It's not about the unmet need. It's not about the unmet need if you say no. It's about you missing out on opportunity to stretch your faith, to trust in God, and to let him build faith in you. All of us are standing on someone's Yes. Someone, Element City Church, was standing on Pantano Christian Church and Cassidy Zobie's Church and people before them that said, yes, we need a church in Midtown Tucson. We are sitting in this building on yeses when people said yes to step outside their comfort zone, step outside their skill sets, step side, outside of, of I don't know or I don't, I don't know what to do but they were willing and we get to benefit from that. And our responsibility is, is are we gonna say no to our faith being built? Are we gonna say no to our faith being built so that other, someone else can experience a deeper faith? I love it in that verse 20, it said, and everyone was satisfied. You guys ever had a satisfying meal? We're not talking like Thanksgiving meal where you feel disgusting. (laughs) I mean a satisfying meal like, you know what? I was hungry and I ate and I feel good. That's what happened with the disciples' faith is they were asking and, and, and excusing and Jesus said, hey, Guys, just do this. Feed my people. And, and they did. And they, they had an abundance and they were satisfied and they had leftovers. And then what's very interesting is, is this is worse than CrossFit, I think. Um, because here they are. I mean, have you ever fed 5,000 people? I feed five at my house and I'm exhausted. <laughs> so if they just got done feeding 5,000 people. They picked up the, all the leftovers and then... Jesus was getting these guys ready to take over the ministry. And guess what he says in verse 22? It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he was dismissing the crowds. 
There's no time, right? God, Jesus had a plan. He was like, go, we've got to do this. We've got, we fed these people. Our job is done here. Now, you guys go and rest and be, go out for your next training session because I don't know about you guys, but those are some big oars. That's some big water. And it's not just a, like a little pleasure cruise. There's no motors, you know, so God sent them out. And here's Jesus behind. And obviously this, if you guys have known the story, if you don't know the story, um, the disciples went out on the boat. It was windy. It was, it was just, the waves were big and it was, uh, it was raining. And, um, and they're just rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and not getting much of anywhere. And so they're in the boat just probably... Um, because you've been around teenagers or been around people that um, have been at work that's really not getting anywhere, what happens? Mumbling and complaining happens, correct? Like, I wish we could do it this way. We should do it that way. And you, can you see the disciples back and forth biting at each other? Well, you're not rowing strong enough on the left side. You're not drawing on the right side. You're not working. You know, all this stuff. You can just imagine the story, right? And then Peter, I love Peter. He sees something off in the distance. Now, I don't know about you, but laws of physics say that man should not walk on water. It's not, it's not physical, it's not, it's not right, and to see something on walking on water would probably be very eerie and very um, awkward. And so they think it's a ghost, right? That's a natural, that's a natural thing. You wouldn't say, hey, I, you know, we left somebody on the, on, the, you know, on the shore and they're walking out to us. That would be a natural, a natural um, conclusion that it's a ghost. I'm telling you, I would probably think it too. But Peter says, I, th I think that's Jesus. I think that's Jesus. And he says, yes, don't be afraid. In the, in the, in the middle of this, Peter starts to think about the several hours before. Hey, we just fed 5,000 people. There's no way that we could have done that by ourselves. And you know what? Jesus told us to get in the boat and row across the lake. He knew that we couldn't do it by ourselves. This is a lesson. I, I, I smell it. I've been around Jesus a long time. This is a lesson it's something we've got to learn. We've got to learn. Let's read 28 and 29. It says, The Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. In 29 it says, Come, Jesus said. He's like, I know that if I can do what I'm supposed to do, Jesus will fill in the rest. I know if he invites me out into that water, it's impossible. It's probably improbable. But if he invites me into it, all I have to do is what I can give to that or what I can do and let him do the rest. Peter gets out of the boat when Jesus asks him to get out of the boat. The boat's kind of a similar, it's our comfort zone, right? Did you think about getting out of the boat in the middle of the ocean? It's bigger than my capabilities. I can do whatever God asks me if he invites me to be a part and let him do the rest. So Peter does that. He says to himself, I can get out of a boat. I know how to get out of a boat. 
and I know how to walk. And that's about all I have. That's my limitation. I can get out of the boat and I can walk. Now Jesus has invited me, so I'm gonna trust that he's gonna do the only thing that he can do. The end of the story. It says, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came down towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him, says, you little of faith, he said, why do you doubt? Element City Church, this is a huge, huge principle. I dare you to start praying the prayer that Peter prayed. about getting out of the boat, getting out of the comfort zone, praying to Jesus, hey, I've been stuck here for a while and I haven't really trusted you too much, but I want to. Can you take me with what you've given me and take me to where you need me to go in your strength? What is in your heart? Where can you help? What is the nudge that you feel? You could be sitting here tonight and maybe feeling nothing. You're like, I just got invited to come to this building. They said there was gonna be good music and it, they said it was really cold and the joke's on you. <laughs> and if you didn't feel nothing, that's okay. Keep praying that prayer. Keep looking for opportunities to serve others. Until then, help somewhere. We have this saying around here, um, and it's not, it's not being crass and don't take it that way, but you don't need to pray to take out the trash. The trash always needs taken out, right? So we don't need to pray about it, we just need to help in, help out. And by helping out in the small things, and by helping out taking out the trash, setting up, greeting people. God's gonna use those moments to move you along in your faith. He's gonna stretch you in your faith. If you are afraid to talk to people, a good opportunity to be the connection people and as you come in and say hello. That's gonna stretch you a little bit, right? Sometimes by doing the little things, helping out around here, gets you in the right place so that God can communicate to your heart and nudge you where he wants you to go. This principle is so big that you are benefiting from other people getting out of the boat. Does anybody, let's take a, a, a show of hands, either your left hand or right hand, doesn't matter. If uh, you guys enjoy the, the music and the technology and the stuff that goes on around here. 
That's a large majority, right? Well, um, there's people that get out of the boat and that sacrifice every Sunday and every Thursday night to prepare this place for you. And they sacrifice. They get here at 2.30, they push cases up from upstairs. Luckily, it's not in trailers anymore, but they push them up here, and if you notice today, it was a little warm, um, and they love doing it. Because you know why? They love Jesus, and it's the opportunity that they have to put two things together, how to serve and love Jesus together to prepare a place here. Is it fun? No, it's not. It's sweaty. And when you have to put double deodorant on and bring extra shirts, it's not fun. But it's worth it. Because you know what? We do what we do so God can do what he can only do. Prepare your hearts and and the people that need him. I just want to tell a little story. Um, And he's probably going to hate me for this and I didn't ask, so... I apologize up front. Uh, Jacob Nickham is in the back. He is in charge of all the lighting that you see, all the colored lighting and all the stuff that moves back here. Um, yeah, you can get. Let's give him a round of applause. Um, we approached him about doing that, and um, he was a little apprehensive. Jacob's not a huge um, conversationalist. Um, he, uh, he talks very little. Um, but what he does say is pretty powerful. Um, and so he, we asked him to come do uh, the lighting, and um, he hadn't had any lighting experience that I know of, and he just kind of learned and learned and learned, and now he's training. I think he's trained like five or six people on how to run all this lighting and how to set it up. But if Jacob didn't say yes, if he wasn't willing, then his faith wouldn't have been grown. Because I know... We, uh, we took him to a Hillsong concert in, uh, in Phoenix, and I think his spirit came alive, seeing all the production pieces and the worship and knowing that he could reproduce that stuff here for you. Um, he's, he's on a whole nother plane now because he realizes that he can use his skill set and take it to create things to help an environment here. And so Jacob is one of those, one of my heroes. I have lots of them. Jacob was one of my heroes because he is faithful and he takes what he has and gives it and lets God do with the rest. And so thank you, Jacob. Some other my heroes, um, any of you that have dropped your kids off in E-Kids with Sarah and Michelle and those guys, um, those people are, are sacrificing their worship time because we only have one, their worship time and their time with others to take your kids into next steps with Jesus, to experience so they can experience Jesus. Those are some of my heroes because they, I can guarantee you, each one of them started with like, oh, I don't know. Those are kids. They're smelly. They got boogers. Yuck. (laughs) And some did it just saying, yep, I want to serve those kids. But maybe God's, pushing on your heart there is maybe you should give up a, a week, a month and go uh, give them a break so they can come in and experience uh, worship like you guys get to experience. Um, another one, our e-group leaders. Um, I have an e-group at my house and we, Kimberly and I teach e-groups. It's a huge commitment. Scary. 
if you're opening up your house or if you're opening up um, you know, a room in the office and you have no idea who's coming, you don't know these people, you're saying, hey, we wanna gather these people, we wanna help them move into next steps, and we're like, oh my gosh, that first night, oh my gosh, who's gonna show up? It can be tense, but you know what's awesome is we as eager leaders get to see you guys when you engage with your relationship with Jesus and you get your face stretched, it's amazing to see when you get to trust each other in that. So this church just doesn't pop up. That would be cool if it did. Add a little water, put a little pill in, poof. It would be my Sundays a little bit easier. But it takes everybody giving what they can and letting Jesus do the rest. Aren't you glad that somebody took a chance in your life, ignored his or her fear, stepped through the door of their own insecurity, had an awkward conversation with you in order to serve you? That God put you on their mind? What opportunities do you sense God opening for you to practice and act out your personal ministry? Where is God urging you? That elbow that you feel isn't your spouse. That's Jesus nudging you saying, hey, I want you to go there. I want you to do that. Because God wants to do something through you, in you, for him to grow your faith something through you, in you, for him to grow your faith. You have a role to play. We cannot sit here as humans and say, oh, you know what, that person's not here. You know, that person really needs to hear this. This is for each and every one of us here. Whether you're starting your journey with Christ or whether you've had a mature relationship with him for many, many, many years. We have a role to play. We have to step out of the boat. We have to step outside our skill set. We have to step outside of who we think we are and do what we can so that God can fill in the rest. Let's make it real practical. Some of you are thinking, well, what is he talking about? I've, and I've spoken very generally. We sit in a public high school. Did anybody aware of that? Do you know that there are sports teams that go on at this school? Some of you guys have talked already. I've already heard it in the, in the hallways about, you know, NFL football's coming, your college football's coming. You love watching sports and all that kind of stuff. And, and you guys talk about the glory days of being in sports. There are kids at this school that have no one showing up to see them do their sport. No one. Last year, I think we were the largest group that came on our Friday night lights to watch a football game. We were the biggest group and we had no one, we knew no one playing. So I'm gonna challenge you. Find a sport here at Catalina or in a school in your neighborhood 
I would prefer Catalina since we're here, and adopt a team. Pray for them. Go to their events. Provide food for them. Give them notes. Give them some encouragement. It doesn't have to be this spiritual thing. Food is the greatest tool ever. No one agrees with me on that? Okay, well. And if that's too big for you, and we need to start smaller, we have serve teams here. We have 2.30, we, have, we need people that can just literally push a button on an elevator. Anybody can do that? Raise your hand. Can you, do, can you push a ele- button on an elevator? Some of you can't push buttons on elevators? <laughs> so you just raise your hand, you're gonna volunteer with me afterwards, I'll talk with you later. Um, but there's things you can do around here. We have a great crew of people that come and set up, but you know what? We've been doing it for a while and we would love to show you how to do it so that we could have a night off. Not saying that we don't love doing it, but we want you to have some fun too. (laughs) Right, Lyle? Lyle's being quiet and humble over there. But you guys, if we all pitch in, if we all pitch in, I tell these kids all the time, if we all pitch in, the work gets lighter, right? The work gets lighter. And the work can move faster. We sit in a community, we sit in a community that is in darkness of poverty, that is in darkness of of kids that don't have food. And on Sunday, we come in, we do church, nothing wrong with it, and then we drive out. What if God's nudging your heart, your mind, to say, you know what? I need you. I want you. I want you to start something. I want you to to do this. I want you to go provide a loaf of bread each week at every apartment on this street. I don't know what God's telling you. He's a powerful God. He's telling you something. He's telling you to move somewhere or do something in your job, in your family, in a relationship. He's moving in you. I know that for a fact. Now, whether we listen or not, remember, it's not about what we do. It's about what he does in us to grow our faith. There's plenty of opportunities around here. There's plenty of opportunities at Catalina. There is plenty of opportunities in every neighborhood that we live in to reflect Jesus. And if he's nudging you, one of the ways he grows our faith is through us personally, not us and that person over there. Or that, you know, that guy could do it or that lady could do it. Us personally taking the responsibility. God, what do you want me to do that only I can do and then you fill in the rest? Anybody scared of that? Actually, as I say it, I'm a little, I'm a little trepidous back here. I'm a little like, whew, what is God gonna ask me to do tomorrow? But if we trust him, no matter what he asks, all we have to do is be willing and let him do what only he can do. Agreed? Remember, we can come up with the excuses, 
that's that muscle. Like, ah, I don't know. But when we say, yes, I'm not trained, I'm not educated, I'm going to feel stupid, but you know what, I'm willing. Let's do it. God will show up in a powerful way. And his glory will be amazing. And it will be back in verse 20. It said, everyone was satisfied because Jesus met us and we have faith that can be built on trusting him. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I feel inadequate. I feel ridiculous sometimes. I feel like I'm too direct sometimes. But Lord, I know that we have responsibility that you want us to step outside the boat, that you want us to move. You want us to stretch our, 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 our faith muscle. And the way that we do that is by having a personal ministry, by reaching out personally to others. And Lord, that's scary. And that's not comfortable. And that can be awkward. It can be sacrificing. We can be judged. We can feel silly. But God, show up. Lord, I pray for this Midtown area. The poverty, the hunger, the finances, the housing, all of that. Lord, use us to do what only you can do through us and build our faith.